And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to today's edition of... Well, the Real Investment Show, and of course, it's pre-FOMC day. That's right. The Federal Reserve meets tomorrow and widely expected that the Fed will hike rates by 50 basis points and that they'll talk about the schedule for tapering their balance sheet, right? So this is the 90 to $95 billion a month in balance sheet reduction. So again, this is uh, markets kind of all over the place last couple of days in particular. And of course, yesterday we started the day down uh, in the morning, kind of slopped around most of the afternoon and then rallied back late afternoon into positive territory. Again, markets still trying to figure out now uh, really kind of how to position themselves after you know a very tough April, as we talked about yesterday. April was a very, very tough month for markets. Uh, fairly large decline here after this big run-up that we had in May. So again, all that happened really over the last several months is that we had sold off in January and February, rallied back in March, gave up the March gains in April. So really, we continue to have not really gone much of anywhere over the last couple of months. And, and really since September, the markets are about in the same place they were back in September, even going all the way back to May, June of 2021. Markets just really haven't gone anywhere, unfortunately. So it's been a, a challenge because after such a big run up last year, you know, this uh, kind of volatility we've had this year certainly has not been fun by any stretch of the imagination. But tomorrow, uh, if the Fed doesn't do anything of any big surprise, right, uh, they don't come out surprise markets uh, being more hawkish or uh, in terms of their, their tone, and they don't start talking about you know successive you know 50 basis point hikes or 75 basis point hikes anything like that uh, very likely we're going to see this market kind of rally markets kind of pre-positioning ahead of this meeting because they're not sure exactly what the fed's going to say but if the fed starts to allude to anything such as you know maybe a peak in inflation or uh, some concerns about economic growth particularly in that first quarter gdp report which was negative um, if they allude to any concern about that, that's going to be good for the bond market. That'll be actually, and, and we'll actually see the stock market rally as well, because what that'll suggest is, is less hawkishness in terms of monetary policy. They won't hike rates as fast. They won't taper their balance sheets as fast. Um, and that, that'll be the expectation by the markets and should get a fairly decent rally. But there, look, there's a, a couple of things that are going on that certainly don't bode well for stocks right now. And we did talk a little bit about this yesterday. You know, markets are, have continued to come down here. Now we're, we're, we pushed into three standard deviation territory yesterday. And again, uh, technical mumbo jumbo, but you know, all that means is that markets are really, really oversold here in the short term. Sentiment is very negative in terms of uh, both in professional and retail traders. Their, their sentiment is just about as bearish as we've seen at any market bottom in history. Um, also, too, professional sentiment in terms of in, uh, professional managers, their portfolio uh, positioning is at some of the lowest levels that we've seen in recent history as well. So, again, everybody's kind of on the, the you know, I don't want exposure to the markets right now kind of boat. And that 
typically turns out to be decent buying opportunities. And I'm not saying you should jump in with both feet here and buy this, but uh, again, the markets are so negative and so oversold here, as we've been talking about here for the last week or so, is that you know that's the type of environment that gives you a decent reflexive rally, and you should use that to sell into. The point that I'm trying to make here is not to panic sell these bottoms. And you know, you look back and go, man, I wish I would have sold that because now you get this kind of rally. And again, we kind of saw this yesterday. Markets kind of sold off yesterday morning. Uh, we saw some buying coming back in the afternoon. Again, there's not a lot of upside here, unfortunately. The, the 20 days crossing the 50-day moving average now, that's, uh, that's starting to put some downward pressure on prices. So a reflexive rally uh, could be you know, 100 points, 150 points or so, but I would use that rally to reduce risk into. Now, it's got a lot of earnings that are going on. Today after the bell, we've got AMD. And before the bell, we've got Marathon Petroleum. We've just got a long list of companies here as we're just kind of in the midst of earnings season. And companies are reporting those estimates. And that's helping give you know, really kind of a mixed bag of performance. Um, some companies are reporting decent earnings and they're getting a little bit of a pop out of their earnings report. But the real kind of the, the real trend has been companies reporting okay earnings, but weak guidance. And that's really even pressuring a lot of these stocks lower. You know, this is, this is you know, the, the punishment of stocks has been much greater than the reward in, in this current environment. You know, we're not seeing stocks open up 20, you know, 15, 20%, but we're seeing stocks open down 10, 15, 20%. Um, after basically beating or meeting earnings estimates, but just offering some weak guidance about the economy, which we already know, right? I mean, we already know the economy's weak and, and is probably going to get weaker as the Fed tightens monetary policy, but that's exactly what the job is. Fed hikes rates to slow economic growth. That'll help quell the inflation problem. And, you know, that's going to be the, the other side of this. So now, interesting, one of the supports that are coming in, we're seeing a lot of companies do this. BP, as an example, just uh, boosted their stock buyback program. The, the window for stock buybacks just opened yesterday. And over the course of the next month and a half, this is one of those kind of, those kind of a, a bullish tailwind for stocks, is that over the next month and a half, we're looking at probably about four to five billion dollars a day being put into financial markets by corporations buying back stocks. You know, Apple just boosted their stock buyback. ExxonMobil uh, just increased their stock buyback plan. So a lot of these companies, in order to continue to meet estimates uh, amidst an environment of weaker earnings growth, weaker revenue growth, um, are buying back shares. So that reduces that per share comparison, helps boost bottom line EPS so they can meet Wall Street estimates. But a lot of companies have a lot of cash right now. BP is a good example of this. Tons of cash sitting on their balance sheet, not much else to do with it. So they're using it to buy back stock. And again, as I said, uh, that window opened up yesterday. So we'll see some support coming into stocks over the course of the next month and a half um, before we get to the next blackout period for the quarter two earnings reports. Uh, so over the next month and a half, we'll see some buying uh, potentially for corporate uh, corporate shares as these stock buybacks get, get uh, put into place. And, and right now, as an example also, uh, we have the second highest level on record to date so far of share buyback announcements by companies. So there is a tremendous amount of, of share buybacks that are being planned for this year by companies. And yes, we can get into the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the not so good outcome of share buybacks. But, you know, for right now, 
you know, that'll help lift asset prices. Over the last several years, uh, just to put this into some kind of, of, of comparison for you, over the last few years, stock buybacks have accounted for almost 100% of the net asset purchases. So between the buying and the selling that goes on within the markets, corporate share buybacks have accounted for almost 100% of the entire net purchases. So that's, they have been a very, very influential piece of the market rise over the last few years. And, and again, you know, when you're taking a look at kind of where markets are now and you're looking for kind of a bullish catalyst to give you a lift higher, stock buybacks may be that very one thing that helps give some support to the markets. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna run markets up to all new highs, but it could limit some of the downside in the markets because of that support coming in from these very outsized levels of share buybacks. All right, when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more about the Fed meeting tomorrow, what to expect, how the markets may react, what's going on with bonds. Got a lot of stuff to get into this morning. Uh, get by the website. Our latest article is out on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't go away. Be right back for The Real Investment Show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. How do the richest people of the world invest and protect their families? Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff's next virtual lunch and learn on the truth about life insurance will show you how to insure your income, minimize your taxes, and protect your real estate. Thursday, May 12th at noon. The most important insurance policy you'll ever own is the one you'll have when you die. Register now for the truth about life insurance lunch and learn at realinvestmentadvice.com. The truth about life insurance with Ratliff and Rosso. Real Investment advice.com the real investment show so welcome back to the show this morning i'm your host lance roberts you know it's amazing what you can catch on a ring camera y'all have a bunch of these in your neighborhood oh yeah yeah i'm, I'm famous you're, you're famous in your neighborhood yeah like you're on everybody's camera. I'm on everybody's camera. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just show up. <laughs> you're that creepy guy. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yesterday, so, you know, if you, have, if you don't have a ring camera, uh, what it is is it's a doorbell that you replace your doorbell with and it has a camera on it so you can see who comes up to your door and those type of things. And so we have one in our house. And, you know, so... When when somebody triggers it, and and the way our house is, it not only catches the porch, it also catches part of the front yard and the, and the street. So if somebody kind of gets into the front yard, it's it'll it'll trigger it, and and you'll get an alert on your phone. And so, you know, yesterday, so a little bit of backstory here. Um, dragons are real. About a year ago, um, we had just gotten our pool finished and and my wife took my youngest daughter down to the pool store to buy a float now she's thinking that she's just going to buy a little you know kind of just a little flat float you know one you just kind of sit in a, a pool with no my daughter finds this one that's as giant as you can imagine it fills up about a third of the pool when it's when it's in the pool the pool's not that big 
this thing's huge and it's 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 this float of a dragon right so it's got this big head on it and it's got a tail coming out the back and of course it's the biggest float they have in the store but that's what she wanted and my wife's a pushover so she bought it for her it takes about 15 minutes with one of those you know those electric air pumps to pump this thing up this is how big this thing is so over the weekend you know it's finally sunny outside and the temperatures have come back up the water's warmed up so my daughter, my older daughter decides to go outside. She needs to work on her tan, you know, because summer's coming up and, and prom and all this. So she needs to look good. So she's going to get a little bit of sun. So she goes out on Sunday and she pumps this uh, dragon up and puts it in the pool. All fine and dandy. Spends the day out in the backyard sunning herself with the dragon. Yesterday morning, we're in the, we're, I just got, we just got out of the studio and my ring doorbell goes off and so i pull up my phone and i look at it and here's my wife chasing the dragon down the street because the wind now picked up and it literally lifted this dragon out of the backyard over the fence into the front yard my wife's chasing this thing down the street trying to catch it and she finally and finally you know she gets past the ring doorbell so it stops recording it and a few minutes later my my doorbell rings again and it's my wife literally trying to shove this thing through the front door of the house so she can get to work. Now, she's dressed for work. She's got heels on, the dress, the whole nine yards. She's dressed for work chasing this dragon. And here she is trying to shove this dragon through the front door of the house so she can get off to work. <laughs> so I'm seriously thinking about putting my ring doorbell on, uh, <laughs> like, TikTok or something. Yes, say, <laughs> you need to publish that clip. Yeah. <laughs> Not every day you see dragons in your neighborhood, but yesterday was the day. So anyway, um, stuff that happens around my house it's never stops. Um, anyway, a couple of things. So just talking about before the break here, uh, yesterday markets uh, kind of opened down a little bit yesterday, rallied back into positive territory, sold off yesterday. Um, actually got down to about 4080 on the S&P yesterday. So very close to that kind of that 4000 level. Then rallied all the way back uh, to being up about half a percent yesterday. Finished up finished the day up about 23 points. A uh, very strong rally uh, from a tech standpoint. It was tech stocks pretty much driving the rally yesterday and some energy. And, and again, this is not what you would expect to see. You know, what you would expect to kind of see is a rally in the markets that was maybe a, a growth trade or uh, inflation trade or whatever, but you got both, right? You had the the growth trade with the tech stocks and, and oil stocks did well yesterday. Um, staples, consumer uh, staples, consumer uh, health care, uh, those didn't do very well yesterday. So it wasn't a broad rally. And that's, you know, one of the, you know, kind of the, I guess concerning things with the markets right now is that you're not getting a very strong, broad rally uh, across the board. This is very much pockets of rallies that you're getting, and they're not lasting. You get a rally one day, and th and this is this has been kind of the challenge, you know, for portfolios is that you get a rally one day in one area, then it sells off the next day, or you get a rally in the markets one day, then it sells off the next day, and we can't really string, you know, a couple of days of rally together. We're not really going up. We're not really going down. We're just kind of just up, down, up, down, up, down. It's nauseating. It's a you know sea sickening almost, because you know one day you feel good, next day is terrible, <laughs> right? Yesterday we're up, today we're down, um, and that makes it very challenging to manage a portfolio. Period. 
right? Because nothing seems to work. Every time you buy something, it, it goes down. You and then you sell something, then it turns right around and it goes up, and it's 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 difficult. And this is just kind of where we are right now within the markets. Now tomorrow, and and right now, what markets are trying to do, as I said, is is everybody's just trying to position ahead of the Fed. Nobody's sure a hundred percent what the Fed's going to say or do. That's the big challenge. What if the Fed says, you know, full speed ahead, markets be damned, we're just going to raise rates to kill inflation, right? It's terrible for stocks at that point. So at that point, you certainly don't want to be in stocks. Um, if, if they come out tomorrow and say, hey, look, you know, we're, you know, we're hiking rates because we're concerned about inflation, 50 basis points, just like we've said, we're going to taper our balance sheet, just like we said. But we're watching inflation, right? And we think we may have seen a peak in inflation. I'm not saying they're. I'm not saying they're going to say this. I'm laying out some examples. And my, my point is, is they say something that is a little bit more dovish. There's enough fuel in the markets for a fairly decent rally. We could. I think we could see the markets rally. You know, almost regardless of what the Fed says yesterday. Just having some certainty about where the Fed is positioned once we get that statement and and hear some commentary by Jerome Powell. Uh, you know, I think it's very possible the markets rally just because markets are so negatively biased at the moment. And, and, and just, I'm just saying the markets are so negative, it doesn't take much to get a little bit of positive news to push the markets higher. And that's all you need is just a little bit of positive something, right? You just, you, you just had bad news after bad news after bad news, and it's just really crushing, you know, investor sentiment and, and you know, uh, market psychology. And, and, and so you get any kind of, and what it's kind of like that stretching of the rubber band we've talked about so many times here on the show is that that negativity has gotten so stretched now that it, it only takes a lack, it doesn't take good news, it just takes a lack of bad news to get you a reflexive rally because markets have gone you know, so far in terms of into negative territory. And, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean price or valuations. We're not talking about that. We're talking about sentiment. And sentiment's what drives stock prices. And it's hard to suggest at this point. It doesn't mean that it can't. And this is the important thing. There's nothing that's impossible with financial markets. But it's hard to imagine sentiment getting much weaker here because again from a technical basis from a fun uh, uh you know a sentiment basis a lot of these levels that we're talking about at the moment are at levels that are normally kind of associated with at least short-term market bottoms it doesn't mean that you can't have a further bear market right it's just not likely to happen without having a bit of a rally first to a lower high market. You know, bear markets tend to be these kind of slow rolling events that you get over a long period of time. It takes, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 months. And part of that is this, you know, kind of the ebb and flow. It's just this markets come down, they rally back up, then you go to a lower low, then you rally a bit, you go to a lower low. And it just kind of ekes out over time. And unless you get some type of shock to the markets, such as a Lehman bankruptcy, you know, we were in that kind of slow rolling bear market until Lehman filed for bankruptcy. And then the markets just broke at that point because you froze the credit markets. Um, March of 2020, we shut down the economy. 
So you got a shock event to the market. You got a very quick decline. You know, without some type of a shock event, you're likely going to have this slow rolling type bear market where markets just kind of grind themselves lower over a, a, over a more extended period of time. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying if you're in that bear market camp and you're, and you're saying, yes, we're in a bear market, we're definitely having a bear market, we're definitely going lower, it doesn't mean that it's going to crash all at one time. And you're going to get these kind of reflexive balances or, or rebounds to position into. You know, you want to add short positions, great. You want to get out of stuff, great. You'll, you'll probably get a bounce from that. And, and all you need, again, is just a lack of bad news. And we just had a tremendous amount of it, you know, War with Ukraine, what's going on, you know, over there. Um, just kind of drilling headlines, you know, resurgence of COVID cases in China. Um, you know, just it just no matter kind of where you look, it's just been a lot of bad news. And earnings haven't been great. They're not terrible, but guidance hasn't been good. And so that's weighing on co corporate prices as well. Uh, like I said, today we've got quite a few earnings that are coming out. We've also got factory orders coming out, ISM. Uh, declined yesterday. The Institute of Supply uh, Manufacturing declined. That index declined yesterday. Uh, that has a that declined in that index. Also suggests that we're going to have weaker economic growth going forward this year. Again, doesn't mean a recession, but it does mean weaker economic growth. Corporate sentiment, CFOs, CEOs, their outlooks are getting more negative. And we're hearing that in the earnings reports as well. And again, that's why we've seen even companies that are beating earnings, we're seeing their stock prices go down because, you know, the outlook wasn't good. All right, quick break. Come back. Talk some more about uh, markets, your money. Don't go away. Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How do the richest people of the world invest and protect their families? Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff's next virtual lunch and learn on the truth about life insurance will show you how to ensure your income, minimize your taxes, and protect your real estate. Thursday, May 12th at noon. The most important insurance policy you'll ever own is the one you'll have when you die. Register now for the truth about life insurance lunch and learn at realinvestmentadvice.com. The truth about life insurance with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning, 633, as uh, we kind of get through this day. So I read an article, it's on the website this morning, talking a little bit about the issue of what we saw previously in the markets. And we talked about this on the radio show about a year and a half ago. And it was interesting at the time 
because we talked about these young individuals that were making hundreds of thousands of dollars by doing videos on YouTube, et cetera, talking about investing. And there was, you know, a couple of individuals that we discussed in particular that were making a lot of money from their advertising and their what what they call, you know, you know, they're they're, you know, running ads on their channel, but they're also promoting products. So they're as they're doing their YouTube video, they're getting paid by their sponsors to do what's called affiliate marketing. And they're making tons of money. Now, it doesn't mean they were actually investing any money, but they were talking about, you know, what was going on in the markets, what stocks they're buying. And, you know, this was all during the, the Wall Street Reddit go-go days, right, where you just bought stuff and it went up every day. And the riskier it was, the more money you made. And, and one of the sidelines of this was this attitude of how to be successful on YouTube. And, and there were three rules for social media. Be relatable. Sell the dream. All bulls, no bears. Don't be bearish. And those were the three rules. As long as you complied with these three rules, pretty much you could launch a video channel and, and you could talk about you know the markets and money and, and get paid for it. Not necessarily that you were making any money in the market, but you were making money by selling the dream, right? So you you have to you know show off your your Lamborghini. And there was this one kid. He was 19 years old. He had just bought a million and a half dollar house in California somewhere, and you know he's just he's living at large, right? Of course, that has all now ended, unfortunately, as we talk about you know Arc and a lot of these related go-to kind of go-go meme stocks. A lot of that fun and excitement has now ended, and Robinhood has now become the kind of the pariah of the younger generation. And they've when they figured out that, oh, free trading wasn't free and that their orders were being sold off to Citadel for what they call payment for order flow, and they got locked out of, you know, being able to trade or, or sell some shares, the 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 love affair between young retail traders and Robinhood faded fairly quickly, and so you know this is kind of the point of the story today in in our post on our website, and it's talking about this group of individuals that. We're all born, and, and again, the important thing, and, and we talked about this before, and we've written several articles on it. We wrote one called Retail Investors, you know, get the majority of their financial advice from social media. Um, you know, retail investors flooding the market, long on confidence, short on experience. And, and, the, and, and in these articles that we were writing during the time, and I put links in the article for you, so if you want to go back and see what we were writing back then, they're there for you, but... The, the point that we were making was is that in that market from 2020 to really 2021 was all driven by liquidity. But before that, you know, going all the way back to 2009, we've had a decade of markets where stocks have really only just gone up for the most part. And, and every time you do have some type of corrective action in the markets, the Fed would jump in, start QE or do some other form of bailout or whatever and kept this bull market pushing ever higher. And, and it's interesting because 
most of the people that are writing these articles, and there's a whole rash of people that blog articles about the markets and money and stuff. And if you do a little bit of research, you'll find out that, you know, these guys started investing. Their, their whole investment career started in 2010, 11, 12. And they're writing these articles about, oh, just be a buy-hold investor. Markets always go up. But they've only had one, one real piece of experience. Yes, they can study history. And they can say, yeah, well, you know, bear markets happen. But they always recover, right? If you look at history, bear markets always come back. So just buy and hold, put your money to work, et cetera. But they've never actually been through a bear market. And see, that's a very different thing. When you actually go through a bear market and lose half your money, the psychology of loss is very different. And this is and this, and this is the big challenge, right? Having experienced a bear market is very different than just studying what a bear market is because again, you extract just just looking at price history, if you uh, you know, again, you can certainly tell that there's damage done to markets by looking at, at price history, but what you can't fathom is the psychological damage of what happens when markets go down 30, 40, 50% and stay that way for years. Yes, markets always come back. At least they have so far. Um, we can't say that they always come back absolutely for sure, but so far, bear markets have always come back and losses have always been made whole. It just took time to do that. You know, 1929 to 1932 was an 80% bear market, and it took until 1954 to get all your money back. So, again, it can be a very long period of time to get your money back, but it does come back over time. Just inflation, economic growth, et cetera, makes complete sense. The problem is, is that we, and again, this is one of the other problems with the buy and hold mentality, is that they look along these long periods of history and go, well, yeah, since 1900, this has always happened in the markets. So you don't live 120 years. You don't have that type of lifespan to invest. Your, your lifespan is between now and whenever you need your money for retirement. And, and yes, markets can go up or down. And you're going to have some variability just in markets over time. Just, you know, markets don't always just go up. And there's, you know, there's this, there's this group of people that think that markets only go higher because that's all they've ever seen, right? Markets never go down. They do go down. But we've had a period of 12 years now where those drawdowns have been minimal compared to the upside. So we're going, we're going through one of those periods of repricing that is certainly not fun. And it's important not to let our emotional bias get the better of us. But we've also got to be careful of, our, of, of misinterpreting certain things, extrapolating trends, and allowing uh, you know, our psychological aspect control our investment positioning. You know, one of the things that happens during a bull market is confirmation bias. And we've talked about these biases before, but, you know, this confirmation bias, we only search, search out information that confirms our thoughts that stocks are only going to go higher. 
during bear markets, we start running what's called loss aversion, which is another psychological trait where we start doing anything we can to avoid losses. These work together because when we're in the period of loss aversion, we start only reading stuff that confirms the idea that markets are going lower to justify why we're selling stuff and trying to avert more loss, right? So this is the, these psychological biases don't work independently. Unfortunately, they tend to kind of gang up on you all together. <laughs> and we start, we, we flip from one side of the coin to the other psychologically, and we start making all these psychological mistakes that lead us to making poor decisions on outcomes. Now, again, we if, if markets and look, this market's been going down here this year and it's everywhere. It's, you know, there's pockets of strength that are there for a day or two and then those reverse and things that we thought were going to do well aren't and things that we, we didn't think were going to do well are. And it's just been a very tough market to navigate this year. So when you have a market, and particularly like the month of April, where you had a, a just kind of a big drag on the overall market for the month, it's you're gonna have some you're gonna have some declination in your portfolio. There's no way around that. But variability in the short term is one thing, but we can make decisions that impair our long-term outcomes. It's important to try to separate those two and have a strategy that says, okay, how do I get from point A to point B in one piece? That's really the goal. And so, you know, the point of the article today is we kind of go through this analysis a bit and, and talking about, you know, a lot of these stocks that everybody was chasing in 2020, 2021, those stocks are down 30, 40, 50, 60%. Even in the, the top largest capitalization stocks in the markets, those stocks are down markedly in some cases you know tesla uh, facebook etc you know those those stocks are down sharply there's opportunity being put together in some of these areas the question is is which stocks are going to recover when we come out of this period and again this is the important thing to remember we're just in a period of the markets this isn't the new market right this isn't going to be the market for the next 10 years we're in a period of the market where things are challenging. But this is also where opportunity presents itself if we're strong enough to start doing that homework to find those opportunities and where they exist. Be right back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. How do the richest people of the world invest and protect their families? Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff's next virtual lunch and learn on the truth about life insurance will show you how to insure your income, minimize your taxes, and protect your real estate. Thursday, May 12th at noon. The most important insurance policy you'll ever own is the one you'll have when you die. Register now for the truth about life insurance lunch and learn at realinvestmentadvice.com the truth about life insurance with ratliff and rosso realinvestmentadvice.com the real investment show
welcome back to the show. So it's 6.47 as we get ready to kind of wrap things up this morning. Um, futures are down a little bit this morning. They've actually been recovering uh, this morning. They were down more earlier. Um, earnings reports out this morning before the bell. Uh, Hilton Worldwide Holdings, Marathon Petroleum, um, Estee Lauder, Pfizer, KKR, Biogen, Paramount Global, Molson Coors Beverages, uh, Beer Company. And uh, S&P Global. After the bell day, we've got Caesars Entertainment, Skyworks Solution, Revolve, Airbnb. That'll be kind of watched to see as a consumer measure, right? How are they doing? Are people still going out to rent houses to, you know, for quick weekend vacation getaways, et cetera? Uh, Starbucks, Paycom Software, Lyft, um, another kind of consumer discretion. It'll be interesting to see are people cutting back on ride sharing in the midst of higher prices uh, match group and advanced micro devices which will be kind of one of the bellwether stocks for the semiconductor sector so uh, again uh, kind of how amd reports will be interesting they're expected to report 92 cents on revenue of 530 billion dollar oh, five point sorry 5.3 billion dollars uh, in revenue so we'll see how that that but they're out see and, and for the semiconductor industry what amd says not so much about earnings but about their outlook will be very important. AMD and NVIDIA are two companies that are really kind of on the cutting edge of where we're headed, whether it's you know artificial intelligence, robotics, video gaming, Bitcoin mining. Um, these companies are making the chips that fit into those kind of next-gen technologies. The question, of course, is, is going to be not only the demand for those products, but also their ability to provide those products because of shortages, et cetera. So one of the things that could weigh on the company is a, a negative outlook on being able to meet demand, right? So I've got demand, but I can't meet it because I can't produce enough chips. So, uh, again, how they report today will kind of set the tone for a lot of the other semiconductors they're going to report, as well as uh, NVIDIA, which is one of the the largest market cap stocks in the S&P 500. Uh, that's the bellwether that will move the whole index in terms of semiconductors when they report. But AMD will kind of give you a glimpse as to probably what NVIDIA is going to say. So we'll see how that comes out today. But again, that's kind of, again, we're right here in the midst of earnings season. This week and next week um, are going to be the two big weeks for S&P 500 companies. And interestingly enough, S&P earnings are still going up, estimates. So Wall Street is still increasing estimates for 2022 and 2023, despite the fact that these companies are saying, hey, earnings are okay, but outlook looks bad. Wall Street's going, okay, we'll lift estimates. We'll raise the bar for you to beat um, over the course of the next several months. And that's going to be more problematic for these companies now what will happen of course is that as and this is always the case earnings estimates you know can be wherever they are they can be going up you know staying flat whatever they are but as we start getting later into the quarter and we start getting more of the economic data coming in what we'll get is is this sell-off or, or sorry i shouldn't say a sell-off because it's not a sell-off we'll start getting a reduction in those estimates. So what we're really looking for here is for analysts to start reversing those estimates. And that's where we'll start to see 
the estimates align with sentiment as well as outlooks, as well as economic growth, et cetera. And, and so that bar will come down as we start getting later into this year. But right now, estimates are very high. And the reason this is important is because when you hear about valuations in the markets, they go, well, valuations on the markets right now are at 17 and a half times earnings. That's the lowest level since 2019. So we've had a big reversion in earnings for the S&P, but that's based on forward estimates. So the price of the market is down. But earnings estimates have been going up, which means that valuations, price times earnings, have been coming down. If we began to see a reversal of earnings and earnings began to come down in, in estimates, and let's say the price of the market is still flat, right? Then we're going to see valuations start to creep back up. That's going to be kind of the issue to be looking at. So, again, it's just kind of, of, of keeping this in context of, you know, where we're headed. And estimates right now across the board are really very high. So those estimates have to come down uh, just because you're already starting to see it in things like the Institute of Supply Management has come down, corporate sentiments come down. Um, you, you see a lot of the, the economic data across the board is showing signs of weakness. We've got inventory builds. Now, inventory builds are deflationary. Because remember, the whole, the whole economy and inflation itself works on a supply-demand basis. So as, in, as inventories rise, companies have plenty of stuff to sell. The problem is demand is falling. And so when you have too much inventory to, to sell, prices are going to come down to get it moved off the shelves. And this is going to take some time. And there was an interesting comment I got about this because we were, you know, I was talking about this very impact. Back in the day when we were growing up, companies used to stock a good bit of inventory because in order to get inventory from somewhere, say I, I manufactured something in China, I had to keep a good bit of inventory on my shelf because to get something produced and shipped to the U.S., it took a couple of weeks, right? And, you know, I'd throw it on the slow boat. The slow boat would come over, and two weeks later, I'd get my inventory, and I'd stock back up. And so I always had to have enough inventory in stock to maintain that ability to meet my customer demands. As we got more sophisticated, we, we started moving to what's called a just-in-time inventory method. And this was in, invented by the Japanese for efficiency. And basically, it got to where you know, as long as I could, I could get stuff so quickly because I could have it delivered overnight or two days or whatever, I could maintain less inventory and just have enough inventory on my shelf to meet current demand because I could replace it fairly quickly. So there wasn't a need to have a lot of capital outlay to maintain a bunch of inventory waiting to sell it. And so, the, so my comment the other day was is that, you know, as inventories are building up, in order for these companies to get it off their shelf and get it off their books, they're going to have to start discounting it, and that will bring down prices. And the comment I got back was is that, well, companies have learned their lesson. They're going back to stocking inventories. No, they won't because it's not profitable. Stocking and maintaining higher levels of inventory is a drag on earnings. And in an environment where companies are doing everything they can to meet earnings estimates amid slower revenue growth, 
the one thing they're not going to do is stock inventory any longer than they have to. So as this inventory builds right now and as demand slows, yes, they will start discounting inventory to get it off their shelves because they need to get that they need to get the inventory moving so they get new inventory in. And that's just the function of the way it works. Also remember too, another big aspect of all this is that we are now a society that is much more service driven. We used to be about 80% manufacturing and about 20% service back in the day. Now it's the opposite. We're about 80% service, 20% manufacturing. So the, the need to move product fairly quickly to meet service demand is important. So as these inventories build up and as demand weakens, there will be this move, which is deflationary, by the way, and this is going to help quell some of that inflationary pressure in the markets. We'll start to see that inflationary pressure come down, right? So that's it. Um, anyway, articles on the website this morning. Uh, be sure and get by uh, simplevisor.com and check it out for free. I just posted our, we're every week now, we're now posting a new blog post uh, talking about markets, sectors, um, just a quick technical rundown of kind of where we are, where markets are, to what, you know, kind of, you know, stops and, and entry points are, et cetera. But you can check that out, report out for free. It's on the, on the website um, at simplevisor.com. Just, just subscribe for a 30-day free trial. Check out the reports, all the stuff that's there, and then um, see our portfolios, et cetera, and get some good ideas to help manage your money better. Uh, that's on the website, simplevisor.com. Outside of that, okay, tomorrow is Wednesday. Um, we will, again, you know, kind of be holding our breath. Uh, that'll be the FOMC meeting announcement. Then on Thursday, when Mike's here, we'll kind of go through all of the, you'll kind of we'll parse all the language because that's going to be the real driver of kind of the markets over the, between this meeting and the next meeting. What did they actually say? How did they say it? What does everybody think they mean? What does that mean for rates? What does that mean for equities? So we'll get into all that with Michael on Thursday, but this is going to be a fairly busy week between earnings, the FOMC, everything else we've got going on. Uh, just stay tuned. We'll try to cover it as best we can, keep you up to date, and uh, keep you on the right side of the trade as, as we go through here. The important thing, and I want to leave you with this, and this has been the conversation we've had all day, is watch your psychology. Look, markets are under pressure right now. But we are extremely oversold. I know I've been saying, kind of beating this drum for the last couple of weeks, but that's just where markets are. Super negative sentiment, very negative positioning. This is where investors make mistakes. If you want to get out of the market, I got it, right? Sucks. Market's terrible right now. But do it on a bounce. You know, this is, this is going to be one of those times where you'll get an opportunity to sell stuff at a little bit better price, reduce your exposure, raise a little bit of cash. We'll be doing the same thing. We'll keep you up to date. Uh, we post all of our trades on Simplevisor. So if you go to Simplevisor.com, keep up with all of our trades. We post all of our trading updates as we do them live. So they're all there for you. Simplevisor.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. You'll find all of our articles and more. And if you have any questions, simply click the Ask a Question button. Always happy to help you out. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Stick around. Three minutes on Markets and Money coming up on our YouTube channel in just a few minutes. Don't go away. Monday, always Sunday, in the rich man's world. All the things I could tell, if I had a little Monday, it's a rich man's world. It's a rich man's world.